This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Guilty pleasures and growing pains with Nina and Friends. Okay, guys, as promised, I do have an update for you. If you had a chance to listen to the last podcast, it was a little bit more intense, took it to happy hour to kind of tell my story to my friends and the doctor called, my results are in, my biopsy was benign. So, yay! Yes! I'm super excited about that and it's really appropriate to share this news with you while I sit inside of a room that has pink walls and it's actually at the bright pink office here in Chicago. Now, after getting my results, believe me, there are still a lot of questions because not only did she say, yeah, you're great. She also said, but we'll see you in six months for another mammogram. What does that mean? So throughout this whole entire experience, as you've heard me speak uh, about a few times now, I thought I knew things. Right. My grandmother, you know, had breast cancer. One of my best friends diagnosed. Now I read up on it. I'm close to it. I care. But I found throughout this experience, there's a lot of things that I don't know. And I think that that means there's a lot of things that you probably don't know, too. So I had to go and find my expert. Dr. Deb, that's what we're calling her. Dr. Deb is here with us at the Bright Pink office. But I'm going to let you give your your formal title just so I don't mess it up. Awesome. Hi, Um, my name is Dr. Deborah Lindner. Um, I am a board certified obstetrician gynecologist or OBGYN. And I'm also the chief medical officer at Bright Pink. Um, So what I do at Bright Pink, um, I guess I should first tell you what Bright Pink is. Yes. So we're an organization that is a health organization, not a cancer organization. And our mission is to help women understand their risk of breast and ovarian cancer so that they can take action to reduce the risk of getting cancer. So uh, there's a lot of chatter about awareness out there. And there is pink everywhere, especially in October. (laughs) And we always say that we're not um, into awareness by itself because awareness 
without action doesn't actually change anything. True. So we're all about awareness with actionable things you can do to reduce your risk of getting cancer. So in my role here, I talk to a lot of people and educate a lot of women about the risk of cancer. Um, And then I also try to help make sure that people have the resources they need um, to change their life outcome, to change their risk of getting cancer. As you can tell, Dr. Dub is very knowledgeable. And I wish I met you two months ago (laughs) when this whole journey started because, first of all, I didn't really admit it so much how scared I was. Yeah. Because I kept to myself and I didn't tell anybody how terrified I was, especially because I didn't know if I even had it. So what am I scared of? And then while I was very relieved, believe me, to find out that my biopsy was benign, I felt a little bit of guilt. And I think that not because I wish that I that it was a different result, but because one of my close friends, she's like I mentioned before, she's in remission now, but she had such a nasty fight. Hers was diagnosed within a week of you know finding her lump because it was such an aggressive form. And she's the strongest person I know, like hands down. She's beautiful and wonderful and she's about to be a mom and all of these really great things. But I felt guilty because I didn't even tell her about it. And so, you know, all she knows is how fast it all turned around. My process of even getting to this conclusion was slow, two months. But when you hear of biopsy or you hear that, you know, you're getting called in before the regular age to go get mammograms, you get nervous. Of course. Well, and I just want to tell you, first of all, that you are not alone at feeling anxious through this journey. In fact, this has been the subject of a lot of conversation in the medical world. Even when we're trying to decide when to tell women to start doing mammograms, we talk about the anxiety level. That's actually one of the things that um, we call the pros and cons of getting a mammogram. One of the cons is anxiety. Yeah. Another con, (laughs) exactly, is false positives. So somebody like you who had something that we saw on an image that we didn't know what to think about it. So we went back to do more testing. So we had to do a biopsy to figure out what it was. That's called a false positive because you you had something that came up as positive as abnormal, sure. but then it turned out to be okay. Right. So that false positive that requires a scary intervention is part of the downside to screening tests. The upside to screening tests is when you do them and you do them early and you keep doing them, you catch cancer early when it's treatable and when you're not going to die from it. So our whole goal in medicine is to keep people alive. We want people to not be diagnosed with advanced stage breast cancer and die from it. So when we talk about doing a screening test, the whole point of the test is to catch cancer early, right? Yeah, yeah. And you can't do that if you're not doing the test. Yeah. Um, and so we're always trying to figure out how do we catch the most women and prevent the most women from dying, but without having it be too egregious, so too stressful, too many false positives, too many extra biopsies. We want it to make sense. We don't want to over-test, but we also don't want to under-test and lose people to cancer. So I think this whole conversation around stress and anxiety, I just wanted to tell you, you are absolutely on track when you say you were anxious and stressed about it. Don't feel bad about that. It is super stressful to have a medical exam and have a test that comes back with an unclear answer. Yeah. But I want to encourage you that you did the right thing by following through on it because 
they wanted to catch something. If it was a problem, they wanted to make sure they caught it. Right. And that you didn't become one of the statistics of a woman with cancer that was um, caught too late. So I think that I want to normalize what you went through in terms of the anxiety. But I think there's a lot to be said about the guilt question too. Mm. Um, you know, whenever we see friends and relatives who go through cancer, um, it's scary and sad, yeah. right? And we love them and we don't want to discount the enormity of what they're going through. But here's the key. This is a personal journey for every single person. Um, for your dear friend who's going through breast cancer, that's her journey, and it's scary and sad and overwhelming and personal to her. Sure. But that doesn't mean your journey is any less important. So your personal journey didn't end up in the same place hers did, mm-hmm. but it was equally important for you to do it right, to do it well. Right. And so I just want to say kudos to you for feeling all the things you're supposed Thank to feel you. <laughs> and for being sensitive through the whole thing, yeah. um, But and also for just highlighting this topic because it's so important to talk about. It, it, it's always been something that I have definitely you know, tried to encourage other women to be knowledgeable on and make sure that they check themselves just because, I don't know, it's just one of those things. Pink has always been in my house. But what I've always learned, and producer Angie's here too, you know, taking this all in, but I think a lot of us, you know, when you go through health classes in school or just from media itself, touch yourself, make sure, you know, early detection is what saves lives. But I don't think that's enough anymore, especially when we get to the conversation of making it to the biopsy or whatever. I think just even normalizing the procedures will take a lot of that anxiety and stress away. I didn't understand what that was. I also didn't understand what they were looking at in the pictures because I didn't have a mass. I had what they call architectural distortion. And I mentioned this a little bit before. I never heard of that. I had to Google it. I'm like, what does this even mean? It means absolutely it could be nothing. And then, of course, you know, internet, I mentioned before, everybody's dying as soon as you hit Google. So forget about it. That's why we've got Dr. Deb to just kind of clear up the process and and how your mind should be taking this in because it's there. Absolutely. Do you know, I think you've touched a couple times now on this idea of um, what's normal, what's yours, um, sort of understanding your own body. Um, When you asked about sort of this abnormal architecture that they saw on your breast, it made me just think about how everyone's breasts are different. Mm -hmm. And so what's going to show up on a mammogram is going to be different for everyone. And the radiologist has to figure out what's concerning enough to follow up on, um, what's okay to let go of, what we need to do another screen for later to be sure it hasn't changed. And that even changes when it comes to different women. So for example, some women have dense breasts and it's harder to see on a mammogram. And we know they have a higher risk of getting cancer. So we want to follow them more closely. I didn't know that. So everybody (laughs) is different. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say. The bottom line is every single woman is different. Sure. So it's really important to personalize this process. We cannot have a one-size-fits-all approach to breast cancer because not everybody fits into the exact same perfect little picture. And I think uh, the most important thing when we talk about when to start screening, how worried to be about screening, um, the most important thing is to personalize it. But how can you do that when you don't know about your risk, right? Yeah. So 
what we do at Bright Pink, I think fits so well into this conversation because our whole intent is to personalize breast cancer medicine, right? To mm-hmm. personalize risk. So we have this really cool tool um, that I helped create. It's called assessyourrisk.org. It's kind of like a Cosmo quiz. Okay. And you jump online, assessyourrisk.org, and you put in all your information. You talk about how many of your family members had breast cancer. You mentioned your grandmother. She did. So you would have put that into this um, question, into the screening tool. Um, We even ask about lifestyle factors. We ask about your weight because we know that if you're heavier, if you don't exercise, those are risk factors for breast cancer. See, I don't know these things. We (laughs) even talk about alcohol. Now I'm going to be a bad guy. Oh, great. Oh, great. I was about to bring up, we're partying for a purpose on Friday night. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But we know that any more than one drink of alcohol per day increases a woman's risk of breast cancer. Oh, great. You're killing my day. <laughs> so we, no, no, but it's good not information. To be a buzzkill, no, no, it's very um, important though. But the cool thing about this tool is it takes into um, into consideration your family history, your hormonal factors, so your birth history, like if you've had babies, if you haven't, if you've breastfed them, if you haven't, um, what your lifestyle is like, how much you drink, how much you eat, all those things, and then at the end of the tool, it shows what your risk is. So it says, are you just at average risk? So you should be following all the recommendations that we put out there for an average risk woman. So uh-huh. starting mammograms at 40 to 50 um, and you know, really just making sure that your lifestyle is as good as it can be, as optimized as it can be. Or are you actually at higher risk? Could you have a genetic mutation that actually puts you at super high risk for breast cancer and therefore you actually need to be way more neurotic about screening. You right. need to have a plan in place that's personalized to your risk level. And I think what's cool about the tool is it tells you what's working for you right now and what you could be doing better on. And to me, that's really the key is figuring out what your risk level is because right. that then drives all the screening, right? Sure. That then drives all the risk-reducing action you could take. Um, but it also starts to demystify everything because if you start to learn about your risk and why you're at risk, you learn more about your individual personalized risk factors and what you should be doing personally um, to mitigate the risk. And that's just one of the little things you can do to actually take control of the process because for me, this was all an accident. Obviously, like I'm under the age of 40. I wouldn't have even had a mammogram on my agenda if it wasn't for you know the fluke accident. So it kind of you know forced me into this world that I, I feel like I'm very much inside of right now. So assess your risk because we want you to assess your risk, sure. right? And I think the key is that most people are like you. We don't start really thinking about breast cancer until we're 40 or 50, right? Like, has that really come up in your doctor's office, in your OBGYN's office? Do you talk about your breast cancer risk? Probably not. No. Because you're too young. And so I think the key is that we're not having this conversation early enough. Um, we need to start talking about risk even in the 20s and 30s because we've got to identify who we should be screening early. We've got to identify who even needs like a genetic test to figure out if they're at risk. And for some women, by your age, we should be screening, right? It just depends on your personal risk. And so I think if we wait to have this conversation till 40 or even 50, we're missing out on a lot of people whose lives we could have potentially save. Not only are people getting diagnosed at young ages anyways, but just if you can help yourself in any way, why not? But I think the first step is knowing if you're at high risk for cancer. Because if you carry a gene, 
like the BRCA gene. You remember Angelina Braca, Jolie? Braca yes, yes. Has the BRCA gene. If you carry that gene, you could eat healthy every day of your life and not drink a sip of alcohol and exercise your head off, and you are still probably going to get breast cancer because that doesn't make as big an impact as the gene, right? Right. So that's like one of the non-negotiables. You got to find out your status. You got to know if you're at risk. The only way to do that is to take your family history to find out who in your family has had cancer. And if you need to get tested, you can get tested. So I'm not even going to talk about being high risk today because that's like a whole nother ball of of wax, I should say. (laughs) Um, But I think for the average risk women, if you know you're not high risk and you can't know that, you've assessed your risk. Right. But if you are average risk, there are a lot of things we should be doing to help reduce our risk. So I kind of alluded to this before, but one really important thing is drinking less alcohol. So the average risk woman should never have more than one drink per day. So binge drinking is out. College drinking is out. But wait, like what if you don't drink all week and then like on Friday you have three or four? So on average, you should never have more than one um, glass of wine per day. Um, You know, there's no way, there's not been a good study that says, okay, but if you didn't have it all week, then you could have two on the week. But moderation is really the key. Fair. So alcohol is a big contributing factor to breast cancer. So is obesity. So Mm. being overweight, you have more estrogen circulating around your body. That leads to more um, estrogen receptor positive cancers. So we want to make sure that we're staying at a healthy body weight. One way to do that is by exercising. Um, But the interesting thing is that exercise is also an independent risk factor for breast cancer. So if you don't exercise, you have a higher risk than if you do. And it's separate from just your weight. We always like associate exercise with being a normal weight, right? Yeah. But they're both risk factors in their own right. So you have to do both. You can't just be skinny, but not exercise. You got to exercise too. So those are some really easy ways we know have been proven um, to reduce the risk of breast cancer. So um, those are things that every single woman who's at average risk should be doing. But I think the most important thing is once you know you're at average risk, because you've talked about this with your doctor, you've assessed your risk either on our tool or a different tool to know that your risk is average, um, then we have to decide when to start doing screening. We've got to get people to go in and talk about it before they turn 40 because we need some time to think about it, right? To educate ourselves, (laughs) to understand the pros and cons of doing testing, and to make a decision that's right for you. Because I just didn't feel like I had an option. Like at that point, like I wasn't going to not take all of the tests. Like, let's be honest, okay? Like, sure. I don't have kids yet. I really want to do that in my life. You know, but I think that if we don't talk about it, then you don't, then it's not just a part of your everyday life. We always talk about self-care. Yes. Right? Face mask, bubble bath, glass of wine. <laughs> Sorry, Dr. Deb. I mean, but, but that's a form of self-care. I mean, I think you can, you can't take care of yourself without actually no. knowing how to really do it. That is exactly right. And this is the ultimate act of self-care is knowing your risk mm-hmm. and doing what you need to do, those basic things to take care of your own body, your own risk level. Thank you so much for answering these questions, making me feel a lot better. And hopefully a lot of you too. And maybe it's kind of sparked something in you to take a little bit of action and just kind of check yourself out. No matter what happens, you know, in the future, these things are all scary and we're trying to be here for each other. And Bright Pink, we're really lucky, you guys. Bright Pink is here in Chicago. Like we're right in River North right now. And so if people want to get a hold of you or if they have questions, what do you think the best way to do that is? I mean, they're doctors, but maybe. Absolutely. So we have a lot of resources on our website. We have have um, 
information all over the website about what all this stuff means. We also have a blog. Um, and so we feature um, a healthcare expert almost several times a month, um, but at least every month we feature somebody who's talking about issues specific to breast and ovarian cancer risk. Mm. Um, we have a Facebook page that you can, t- and a, a Twitter and um, Instagram. We've got all the social media stuff covered, but follow us and we'll um, send you all sorts of good information. The other thing you can do though, is you talked a little bit about being aware of your own breasts. And this is a really important topic. Uh, we actually have something called breast health reminders, where if you sign up, we'll send you a little text message every month to make sure to remind you to be aware of your girls yes. and um, know what's normal for yourself. Cause breast self-awareness um, has really replaced the breast self-exam. You can sign up for breast um, health reminders from us if you'd like to. Just pop on our website and you'll see um, breast health reminders. Do the assess your risk tool so you know your risk. And then you can even send the results of that to your um, doctor and you can talk about what makes sense for you. It'll just spark that conversation. The other thing we um, like to harp on is um, every year we do this special call your doctor day, Okay, uh, which sounds really (laughs) weird and silly. I'll call it doctor. but, (laughs) But the reason... The reason we do that is because it's so important to have a relationship. I love that you said that because I think sometimes people get intimidated by their doctors and just know how many people that they see every day. And maybe you don't even remember my face when I come back in. But I think that that's really cool. And I also find that very important and helpful. I don't really know what else to to say. I think I'm processing a lot of this information. And I think it's been... um, a huge learning experience. And you said you wanted to ask something. Did we hit it? Yeah, you guys like actually already answered it. But no, thank you for all your information. I feel like I just took a crash course on all this. So (laughs) thanks for that. Well, it's so much fun to talk about. And I just really want women to feel empowered um, through this conversation, but also not to be scared. Um, It is scary going through testing. Um, But the whole purpose is to make sure you're healthy. So think of it as a health screen, um, not a cancer screen. Like we are trying to keep you healthy. So until it's cancer, don't worry. Just make sure you're doing your right screening, but don't get overly worried. Like this is meant to catch things before they're scary. So don't get scared until somebody tells you to be scared. Facts. So we'll keep our anxiety at bay. But then the last thing I do want to bring up is that, you know, maybe you feel also passionate about this particular cause, if you will. Um, and you want to help or donate or whatever, because I, I do walks every year and, you know, try to raise money. So if that was something that we could help out with here, how would we do that? Same way? just Well, on Friday, you could help out I'll by coming there, to girl. our fun party. <laughs> so this is actually a really fun way to help Bright Pink um, party with a purpose. Yes. So um, come out to Tickled Pink on Friday. There's still, still tickets available um, and it's going to be a great opportunity to give back. Um, we have a silent auction there. We have opportunities to donate at the party. Um, but if you're busy on Friday and you already have plans, um, mm. then jump on our website. You can donate directly to us. Um, or if you have an interest in doing something bigger, we can figure out ways to match donations. Love it. We can figure out ways to even get you plugged in and involved as an ambassador um, for the cause. Um, so we would just 
just love anybody who is interested in this and really wants to spark this conversation, um, follow us. We periodically do really fun parties. Like for Valentine's Day, we had Party with a Purpose. Love it. And you could get a whole kit and get your gals together on the day before Valentine's Day. We'll keep doing things like this throughout the year to spark people um, to take action. And that's really what we're all about is taking action. I see a lot of this in our future, Anne. I'm so down. A lot of this in our future. Um, Thank you again. I know we talked a lot about preventative, my story. I don't want that to take away from, you know, people that also had different phone calls from their doctors and just know that we're with you and we're doing everything that we can to fight along with you and we'll continue to spread the word. Amazing. Dr. Deb, thank you. Here from the bright pink offices. I was going to say studios. Um, (laughs) we'll, We'll post all the information so you can get it there. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for being here and thank you for listening. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.